right, we're going to go ahead and get started tonight. Here we are in our class tonight of biblical principles for financial success. Looking at a little bit about uh, uh, seven secrets of Solomon. Uh, mixing in a little Dave Ramsey along the way. And uh, little Mike Benson along, thrown in there too. So uh, hopefully you're learning a little bit. If you're not learning something, hopefully you're being reminded of something, and uh, hopefully it's helping you. Uh, before I tell you, here, here we are tonight is the fifth week of our study, and before I tell you this fifth secret of Solomon for financial success, let's just again review the uh, the four that we've already talked about. I do know that I'm doing a little bit of repeating, but that helps us to be reminded, and it kind of helps it Helps us get a little better handle on it, and the more we hear something, uh, kind of like I had a had a true story. I had a friend of mine, uh, one of my mentors actually, who did a lot of uh, seminars on finances, on marriage, on parenting, these kinds of things. And he told me that he went to a church, and he said he went. He, he said the, uh, it was just like his fourth time to do the fin- very same uh, financial seminar. And he said, the pastor told the people, said, you know what? So this is the fourth time that our brothers come to do this seminar. And you know, he said, uh, I think this time I'm going to do it. <laughs> that, was the, that was the pastor. <laughs> so uh, maybe if I repeat myself enough, maybe you might say, well, you know what? This time I think I might just do it. So anyway, let me give you the first four secrets of Solomon to financial success that we've already covered. Number one is develop a plan. Develop a plan. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. And Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 15 says, The wise considers well his steps. Somebody said, He who aims at nothing never misses. I love the uh, cartoon Charlie Brown. Uh, Charlie Brown would take a bow and arrow, and he would shoot the bow and arrow, and then wherever the bo- wherever the arrow landed, he would draw a bullseye around it. So he hit the bullseye every time that he shot the bow and arrow. That's pretty funny for a comedy uh, comic strip. The problem is, is too many people live their lives kind of like that. Uh, Good thing about developing a plan with a financial plan, you can tell your money where to go instead of That means, repeat back to me, wondering where it went, right? We can tell our money where to go instead of wondering where it went. So, develop a plan. Set yourself a target. That's the what. Set yourself a target. Whether your target is to uh, pay off your credit cards, uh, pay off your your car, uh, whatever. But set yourself a target. That's the what. And then, and then give your target a time frame. That's the win, okay? That's the win. So let's say, let's say our target is to pay off, let's just say our target is to pay off our, our credit card. Okay, let's say our credit card is, uh, let's say it's $6,000, okay? Hopefully it's not, but let's say that it is. Okay, we want to do that. Let's say we want to get aggressive. We want to do that in a year, okay? So how are we going to do that? If, if we owe $6,000 on a credit card, and we want to pay it off in a year, how are we going to get that done? Well, we take, well, we take the $6,000, and 
And we divide that, how many months are in a year? 12. So 600 divided by 12 would be how much? It would be 500 if you don't have your calculator out. Because I know people today need a calculator. The rest of us old enough, we were taught how to uh, add and subtract and multiply in our head, okay? So, so the time frame is it's a year, so <clears throat> that means that we have to pay $500 a month on our credit card every single month over a period of one year, and we can meet our target of, of, of having all of our credit cards paid. We talked about the debt snowball, about how to pay off debt, how to pay the smallest amount, the smallest debt first, get it paid for, then take what you're paying on that, add it to the next smallest uh, debt uh, with what you're already paying, but what you were paying on the other, and and get that paid off, and then take that, what you were paying on those two little debts, roll that together, put it with what you are paying on the other debt, roll that into that, and just keep rolling, and before long, you've got a big old snowball, and you can attack some big debt, and, 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 and it's amazing what you can do in a little bit of time. Second secret to financial success from Solomon is take personal responsibility for your financial success. We're just doing a review now. If you're, you're here and you weren't with us before, so this is just a review, so it's not, that's not in your notes. But number two, take personal responsibility for your financial success. Nobody is going to do this for you. It's your money. It's your life. It's your future. What do you want your financial future to look like? Do you want it to look like your past? If you want your financial future to look like your past, just keep on doing what you've been doing. Because if you keep on doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep on getting what you've been getting, right? All right. So uh, if you don't like your financial past, uh, you're going to have to do something different or your financial future is going to look just like your financial past. The only way your future will look any different than your past or your present if you take personal responsibility and make the necessary changes. Say changes. Make the necessary changes to ensure that your future looks better than your past and your present. And only you can determine your future. And that's what you're doing in this class. That's what you're doing right now. I tell you every single Wednesday night, but I'm going to say one more time, you are determining your financial future right now, today, in this class, with what you do or don't do with the information that you are receiving. And let me tell you something very, very deep. I'm known for my real deep, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm real deep, and I'm known for that, okay? So let me tell you something really, really deep. Are you ready for it? Think you can handle it? Okay, here it is. Tomorrow will come whether you have prepared for it or not. How many know tomorrow's coming? It doesn't matter if you're prepared or not prepared. Tomorrow is coming whether you have prepared for it or not. Or not. And let me tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Let me tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, when I say tomorrow, I'm not talking about in 24 hours. I'm talking about in the future, okay? Let me just tell you, let me just describe your future, okay? You want me to, I don't need a crystal ball. I don't have to be a prophet. Let me, but I'm still, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Maybe not in 24 hours, but in the near future, this is what's going to happen. The tires on your car are going to wear out. And they're going to need to be replaced. And have you priced tires lately? So if you're going to have to replace four tire, four new tires on your car, what's that going to cost you? Three, four, 
hundred bucks, right? Five, maybe depending on what you drive. For some, that's a lot more than that. But at least, at least what, three hundred bucks, right? At least three hundred bucks. Okay. Do you have three hundred dollars laying around? Okay. You better. That, that that's called an emergency fund, right? See, because really it's not even an emergency because we ought to be smart enough to know that, you know, depending on what tire is on your car, but after 30, 40, 50,000 miles, depending on what kind of tire you bought, you're going to have to replace the tires, okay? And, and, but the problem is, we, for whatever reason, you know, the, the tires won't pass inspection, and so now we've got to go get a set of tires, and, and we don't know what in the world we're going to do. Where are we going to get $400? Where are we going to get $300? Where is it going to come from? Well, if you'd have had a plan and you had your emergency fund in place, that's where you go get it, okay? So the tires are going to wear out on your car tomorrow. That's not rocket science. It's just the truth, okay? Uh, your, your car's going to break down tomorrow. It's going to need a new alternator. It's going to need a new battery. Or it's going to need a new starter or worse. Or the transmission is going to go out. It's going to happen. The transmission goes out in your car. You know what that's going to cost? How much is it going to cost? Fifteen hundred bucks? Is that about somewhere? I mean, help me. I'm just throwing. I'm not. I don't have really research. I'm just telling you. It's going. You got fifteen hundred dollars laying around? Uh, let me tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. The kids are going to get sick. You got kids? They're going to get sick because kids get sick. Because sick kids go to school and get other kids sick. Or they go to daycare and get other kids sick. Or they come to church and get other kids sick. So your kids are going to get sick. And when they get sick, you're going to have to take them where? And what does the doctor want? And then the doctor's going to send you where? He's going to send you to the pharmacist, right? Because he's going to send you with a prescription, right? And what do they want at the pharmacy? Money. Okay, maybe you've got a nice insurance plan. I hope you do. That's great. But there's still a what? Yeah, a deductible, a copay, whatever. Let me, let, let me tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. You're going to lose your job. How many ever lost their job? Raise your hand real high. Look at that. That's half the class. I don't want to exaggerate. That's a third of the class, right? And you guys are young. Everyone that raised your hand, you're young. And you've already lost your job. You're going to lose your job. Because in America today, it don't matter who you are, what you're doing, or what company with you're with, uh, on the whim of the CEO, they're going to lay off a bunch of people. It's going to happen. My generation, you went to work. You know, for IBM or the oil company or Halliburton or the telephone company, and you worked 30, 35 years, didn't have to work, unless you royally messed up, you were okay, and they kept you, and then they gave, they offered you a nice buyout, and they gave you a nice gold watch, and they gave you a ceremony, and they gave you a pension, and they patted you on the back and brought the, that's over, it's over. You're going to lose your job. And let me just really encourage you. You're going, to, you're going to lose your job more than once. Sorry. It's going to happen. Now, I hope it doesn't. 
but the law of averages says it's going to happen to you, okay? So let me ask you this. Are you prepared for it? If you, if, if you went in to work tomorrow and you got called in and you thought you're getting called in to get a promotion, but instead they hand you a pink slip, what's going to, you know, what do you, how long can you survive? Well, let me tell you, the average American can only survive about 30 days. And then they either need mom or dad or the government to step in. Sounds like we might need a plan, plan. Got a text today from a man in our church. Honestly, he was whining, but it's okay. But that he found out that he had foundation issues on his house. Well, he already knew it, but he found out he had more foundation issues and to the tune of $10,000, okay? But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. A couple years ago, and nobody knows who I'm talking about, okay? And if you think you do, you don't, okay? So a couple years ago, I don't know what in the world this man, person would have done. But let me tell you what they did. They paid the bill because they had a six-month living expenses set aside. You know why? Because about three or four, maybe even three or four years ago, maybe four years ago, they listened some of this teaching and they didn't just listen they did something about it and they paid off a whole bunch of credit cards and a bunch of other debt and started putting money away and started building a you know a, a real emergency fund and so guess what this person was whining today because they said I'm broke I'm broke I said, but what would you have been three or four years ago? You'd have been bankrupt. And then I texted him back, and I said, you're not broke, you're even. But th- I mean, seriously, I wasn't just being flippant, and I wasn't, I wasn't not, I wasn't, I understand. Who, nobody wants to pay 10 grand on a stinking foundation issue, right? You want to, you know, you want to take a trip to around the world or something for 10 grand. Not, not that, Okay. But the good, there was still good news. The good news was it didn't cripple you. It didn't put you further behind the eight ball. It didn't dig your hole deeper. No, you already dug through the hole and you covered the hole up. It just kind of took your emergency room, emergency room, emergency fund away. But now you're even and you can start building that back again. But yeah, you can kind of feel bummed because, wow, I sure didn't want to spend it on that. But you could also feel pretty cotton-picking good that, you know what, I had the money and I paid the bill. The bill is paid. I thought it's kind of cool in one way. I mean, it's horrible in one way, but in another way, it's a whole lot better, okay? Now, am I being negative? No, I'm not being negative. I'm being realistic. I'm being truthful. I'm being honest with you. Let me tell you about your tomorrow. Your kids are going to grow up. And when your kids grow up, they eat more. And you fuss about the diapers and you fuss about the formula. Why do you start, you know, have to give them three real meals a day? Especially if they're boys. I'll never forget when my son was uh, a little guy, you know, and he was under 12, you know, and the kids' meal at the, at the Sizzler, you know, don't even have them anymore, but they had the Sizzler back then. And, uh, and, and the kids' meal was 99 cents. Now, to, to put that in perspective, the, my, my meal was three bucks, okay? His was a dollar, mine was three. So it would be like today, 
you know, maybe five and 15 or something, okay? But his, his meal for kids' meal was 99 cents. Mine was three bucks at the, at, at, at the Sizzler. Well, the difference in the meals was, of course, the portions, because it was a kid's portion, but the difference also was that the kid's steak was actually hamburger, you know, ground beef, where mine was the real deal. And so when he got just a little, not very old, he would look at me and whine and say, can I have a real steak, Daddy? Because, you know, even as a little kid, he knew the difference between a piece of hamburger meat and a, and a you know, and a sirloin steak, you know. And so, uh, hey, the kids are going to gr- get a little older, and they're going to want a real steak, Daddy. They're not going to eat all the kids' meal anymore. And so it's going to cost you more money. They're going to get in sports, and they're going to have to have uniforms, and they're going to take trips, and they're going to have to have meals while they're gone on trips. And then they're going to have to go to college, And let me tell you about the kids today. The kids today going to college, today they are squeezing four years of college into six. And then they're going to get married, you know. And I'll never forget when my, you know, kids got married, especially when my daughter got married. And I told my wife and I told my daughter, I said, you know, I I don't have to have any say on the wedding. You know, I I know I'm just the dad. And and so I don't have to have any say on the wedding at all. But here, here is your, here is your, uh, here is your budget for the wedding. And you do whatever you want to, but here's your budget for the wedding. And they took the budget and laughed. And did what they wanted to anyway, okay? And, and it was not anywhere close to my budget, okay? So they're going to get married, and they're going to let, and they're late, and they're, especially when the girl, cause, and then they're going to be all fuzzy feeling, and all the fuzz, the, the feelings are going to go everywhere, and they're going to, it's going to be correct. You better, get, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Tomorrow is coming, and, and the day's going to come when you're going to get tired, and you're not going to want to get up at 5.30 and fight the traffic and drive clear across the Metroplex to go to work anymore, or you're, or, or, or you're not going to want to do the job anymore, or for sure not five days a week or six days a week. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Tomorrow's coming, whether you are ready for it or prepared for it or not. You better get ready. You better get prepared for it, okay? How many's tired of me hounding on this? But, I'm, but hey, hey, if I can get through just one or two people, it'll just be awesome. Just be awesome. Number three, and I promise you, this person, this person I described a while ago with foundation issues, and I hope nobody knows who it is, but I'm going to tell you something. They have thanked me countless times for, my, for the teaching that I've done because they listened. They were upside down financially, and they are doing well. They're doing well, and, and the sky's the limit for them because, because the, they're, they're even. They're not broke right now. They're even, and he's got a really good job and, and a really good plan, and, and they're doing well. They're doing well, and I want the same for you and everyone else. Number three, the third secret that we talked about for financial success is don't be naive. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Proverbs 28 and 20 says, a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Proverbs 14 and 15 says, A simple man believes anything he hears. Naive people are first to drink the Kool-Aid. Don't be naive. You're not going to win the lottery. You're not going to find a genie and get three wishes. Uncle Ed is not going to die and leave you his fortune. You better do something about your finances. Don't be naive. Nothing magical is going to happen financially for you unless you 
Make it happen, okay? Evidently, if, you're not, if you can't sound back to me, then I haven't said it enough, okay? So I'm going to keep on saying it. Number four, we talked about this last Wednesday night. Ask the wise. That's the fourth, the fourth secret of Solomon to financial success is ask the wise. See, most people make one of two mistakes. They either don't listen to anyone or they listen to the wrong people. See, no one has wisdom in every area. But everyone has wisdom in some area. So we need to figure out, you know, whatever area we need wisdom in, we need to figure out who has wisdom in that area, and then we need to talk to them and hang around with them and get, glean some of their wisdom, see? See, there's two, ways of, uh, there's two ways of learning, you know. There's the three-step forward and two steps back approach. But you know what? If you learn everything in life that you learn by three steps forward, two steps back, you're going to be a bloody mess, okay? Okay? It's better to borrow somebody's wisdom along the way, okay? You have your own wisdom that God just has given you and you develop, but then you need to borrow. You can borrow by, you know, by getting a mentor. You can borrow by reading books, by going to classes, you know, by hanging out with people that, you know, you know, if you need, you know, wisdom in marriage, you know, uh, you don't go to that person that's on their fifth marriage, Okay. You know, somebody's been married for 30, 40, 50 years. Hang, you know, find out what's going on and what, what their secrets are, okay? Um, so if you need financial wisdom, what do you do? Ask someone who has wisdom in the area of finances and hang out with them. Find out what they're doing, how they're doing it, okay? Read the books. Come to the classes. You're doing that. I commend you for it. Then do what? Do something with it, right? Do something with it. Proverbs 13 and 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise. All right. In last week's lesson, I made this statement. Financial success has more to do with proper management of what we have than it does with how much we have. Okay? See, most people think that their problem with money has to do with the amount. If I just had more money, they think that they could fix their financial problem if they just had more money. Money. The truth of the matter is, that in and of itself is not the answer. Uh, see, the problem is not always, sometimes it is, but the problem is not always the amount of money, but rather the mismanagement of what they already have. See, if they mismanage what they already have, they will mismanage the more that they get. Why do these ball players that get multi-million dollar contracts end up at the end of their career with nothing? Many of them do. Why? Because they were never taught how to handle their money. Now, the wise ones, the smart ones, get them a, a, a good financial planner and a good financial manager to help them with their, with their finances. But some of them, you know, they just, man, they just, you know, they just, Go crazy. They just do they do with a million what they did when they had a hundred bucks in their pocket. They just spend whatever they have. And they end up, you know, they end up with nothing. Okay? If we mismanage what we already have, we will mismanage more if you give us more. If you manage well the little bit that you have, you will manage well the little bit or the more that you receive. It's just the way it is. Uh, Haggai chapter 1 and verse 6 that we read last week says you earn wages only to put them in a bag with holes in it. 
Remember I used as an illustration last week? Okay, so, so if, if, if my problem is I don't make enough, okay, so let's, let's say there's a hole in, in, in my money bag. So if I put $100 in, $100 in my money bag, I got a hole in it, how much is going to go out? $100, right? If I put $1,000 in my money bag, if it's got a hole in it, how much is going to go out? 1000 If I put a million dollars in my money bag with a hole in it, how much is going out, Ticho? A million. Why? So is the, problem, is the problem with how much is going in the money bag or what is going out the money bag? Is the problem with the, with, with the, with the in go, input or is the, money with the, is the problem with the, with the hole in the bag? Problems with the hole in the bag. So is the way I fix my problem, is it by putting more money in the, in the top of my money bag or is it in, in, in uh, sealing up the hole in the bottom of my money bag? Yeah, sealing up the hole, okay? When you think about that, it makes, just, just makes a little more sense, doesn't it? It really, it really helps. And I know I've already said this again. We've got people here that's not been to any of it and some of you forgot already. But, um, and I already forgot what I was about to say. I just love that. Don't you just love that? It don't ever happen to you guys, does it? But it does to me. Yeah. Um, okay, I really forgot where I was going. It was really, really good, I promise you. Okay. Huh? Did it? All right. Okay, so the answer is not to put more in, but to repair the hole that allows the money to fall. Oh, here's what I was going to say is you... In, I've got to hurry up and say it before I miss lose it again. And that is you have money that you don't know you have. You think you don't have money, but you have more. Let me just say this. You have more money than you think you have. You have more money than you think you have. And the reason you have more money than you think you have is because you've got holes in your money bag and it just goes a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here and a little bit there. And, uh, and so if you could find out where that money's going, that's the reason why I told you to make a list of every dollar that you spend. How many's done that? I know you guys have done that. Have you done that? A list of every dollar that goes in or every dollar you spend in the next week. You will, you will be amazed to find out you have more money than you think you have because you are squandering money. You are allow, you're just allowing money to flitter away. You think, well, that's only a $5 bill, you know. Somebody wanted to buy my lunch today, okay? And it's only 5 bucks because I'm cheap, okay? It was only 5 bucks. Okay, but actually we were sitting down in a restaurant, so by the time I tipped, it was seven bucks, okay? So, but I, you know, but this person was a young person, and pastor, will you let me bless you today? I said, well, you know, I, I appreciate that, but no. No, I want you to, I want to, no, no, no. Why not? I said, you take that seven dollars, and you save that seven bucks, okay? Thank you, thank you. And I do appreciate it, and I understand the principle of blessing your pastor and all that. But, I, you know, just, you know, take it. But pastor, it's, well, he says, it's only five bucks. I, it's only five bucks. But take that five bucks and put it in the savings account, and then five bucks here and three bucks here and 12 bucks there. It makes a lot of difference. Okay? All of us could do better financially, even if we never made a dime more than we make now. All we have to do is find out where the holes are in our, in our money bag and, and sew up those holes, all right? Now, some people have a small hole in their money bag and others have a big hole in theirs. <clears throat> find out where those holes are. Uh, and you do that by, like I said, writing down every dime that you spend 
over a period of time. It'll amaze you where your money's going and, how, and you start adding up the little bitty things. And then, of course, a budget, a budget, which is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went, you know. A budget, giving every dollar a name on, per, on paper on purpose, okay? These things will help you discover where the hole is in, 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 your, in your money bag. It might be eating out. America loves to eat out, you know. I mean, kids today don't recognize dinner if it's not, it doesn't come in a sack with a yellow M on it. They don't, they don't know it's dinner, you know, okay? Well, okay, McDonald's may be pretty cheap, but I'm going to tell you something. A grilled cheese sandwich at home is still 10 times cheaper, okay? Or even something much better than that, but I'm just threw something out easy, but might be eating out. And, and hey, I'm not against eating out. I eat out almost every day. But you know what? I'm not head over heels in debt. Okay? I'm living debt free. So I can live like no one else. And the reason why I'm, maybe I'm not living like no one else because everybody else is living that way. But you know what? I'm actually living like nobody. I'm living I'm actually paying my bills. I'm not putting it on a credit card. So I am living like no one else. Okay? Might be eating out, might be recreation. Nothing wrong with recreation. Everybody ought to have a little fun. But if you're head over heels in debt, you shouldn't be going to Disneyland. Shouldn't be going to Six Flags. You ought to be going to the park. Throwing the Frisbee around. Come on. It might be the house you live in. Okay? You might need to have a garage sale. I don't mean throw a bunch of junk on a table in the garage and have a sale. I mean sell the garage and the house that's attached to it. If you're head over heels in debt, you might have to do that. It's drastic, yeah, but it's not now. It's just temporary, okay? You might, you, it might be the cars you drive. Probably is because America is a, a, a in love with their cars. So it might be the cars you drive. You might need to sell, you know, the nice shiny uh, car and, and buy you an old rust bucket. Not forever. Temporary, Okay? It might be uh, your Starbucks habit, okay? See, it's not always the big things that trip us up. Sometimes it's just too many little things or little things too many times. My son had a youth pastor a few years ago that was a Starbucks junkie. I mean, he's on a youth pastor's salary. Let me just tell you that youth pastors, you know, they don't make the same as rocket science scientists, okay? He was on a youth pastor's salary, and going to Starbucks, you know, two or three times a day, okay? I mean, he was spending on Starbucks while a lot of people spend on a car payment. They shouldn't even have the car payment, but they sure shouldn't have a Starbucks payment that equals a car payment. He was a Starbucks junkie. Now, he didn't stop going to Starbucks, but let me tell you what he did. At least, I mean, he tried to make some changes in his life, and I'll give him kudos for that. He probably just should have cut out Starbucks altogether until he got his finances in order, but at least... At least what he did was he started buying a, a Starbucks gift card for himself for X amount of dollars. I don't know how much he put on there, but a reasonable, at least in his mind, a reasonable amount. And so, uh, you know, he may, he, may, he may go to Starbucks, you know, uh, after two weeks into the month, and they say, sorry, there's nothing on this Starbucks card. Well, he didn't go to Starbucks for two weeks. Until the next month rolled around, he went and got him a Starbucks card and put that on there, okay? And so then, of course, eventually he learned, you know, this is how much I can, how often I can go. And he put himself really on a, you know, on a budget, but that's not a bad idea, 
you know. At least he was doing something. Listen, you may not do everything I tell you to do, and you may not get gazelle intense, which I hope that you do, you know, temporarily. But even if you don't, if you just make some changes, if things get better, it'll be worth it, okay? Hopefully that you don't just use that as a cop-out, but hopefully you'll get crazy about it until you, until, until you get things right, and then you can... Live like no one else now, so later you can live like no one else. All right, let's move on. The fifth Solomon secret to financial success, that's tonight's lesson. This lesson will surprise you. You're going to have a difficult time getting your arms around this, and you're going to say, what? But here it is. To get more, you must give more. Solomon, what is your... Secret to financial success, to get more, you must give more. That doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? But it's a principle. It's a principle of God's Word, and it works. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. And it goes on to say, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Let me remind you, some of you will hear it for the first time, but let me remind you of two sayings that I love to say. I have a whole lot of sayings that I've said over the years, and here's two of them that I love to say. Number one, if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. I believe that with all my heart. If God can get it through you, he will get it to you. See, the problem is that most people think that everything that comes their way is for them. They think that more is for them. And so when they get a raise in pay, they just raise their lifestyle. Or when they get a windfall, whether that be a bonus, whether that be a raise, whether that be Uncle Ed that does die and leave you something that I said wasn't going to happen, or whatever, or something just, you know, some unexpected thing, they think, oh, that's for me, and they go spend it all on themselves. I'm not saying you shouldn't get any of it. I'm not saying you shouldn't keep any of it. But I'm saying that just because more comes to you, that... Don't get the mentality that more is all for me. Get the mentality, if God can get it through me, he will get it to me. See, God wants you to be a river and not a reservoir. See, water flows down and through a river, but water is held and contained in a reservoir. So God doesn't want you to be a reservoir. He wants you to be a river. And if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. The second uh, saying that I love to say is, be a giver and God will make sure you always have something to give. If you will become a giver, God will make sure you have something to give. To give. Solomon said it like this. He said, those who refresh others, we read it a moment ago, those who refresh others or those who help others or those who bless others will themselves be refreshed or will be blessed. Now, let me give a disclaimer here. 
Make sure you are truly giving your money and not someone else's. You say, what are you talking about? When my son was at Southwestern, and my son was taught giving his whole life, and he's always been a giver, and so he heard Dad talk about giving. And so every time in chapel, when they'd bring a, a missionary in, well, Chad, with a tender heart, would give to the missionary thinking he was giving his money. But he wasn't really giving his money. He was giving his daddy's money. And I called him on it. I said, son, you're not giving your money. You're giving daddy's money. He said, no, I'm not, dad. I give the money because he would work, had a part-time job delivering pizza for uh, Pizza Hut or somebody, some uh, Domino's. And so he said, no, dad, I'm, I'm giving my money. And I said, no, you're not. I said, because once you run out of your money, you come back to me for more money. And so since you gave that money, now you don't have money, and so now I have to give you money. So you are really not giving your money. You're giving my money. And so I told him, I said, you, while you're in college, now when you're on your own, that's different. But while you're in college and Dad's paying the college bill and Dad's picking up the extra bills when you run out of money, I said, from now on, uh, you let Dad listen to God and hear what to give. You tithe on what you get. But you let dad be the giver until you get out of college and get your own money. You're giving dad's money. You don't know it and you don't understand it, but you're giving dad's money because when you give your money and you run out of money, then dad's the one that has to pay the bills. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is, first of all, we're going to tithe because that's God's money, right? We're not talking about tithing right now. We're talking about giving. And so once you've tithed, but then, you know, when the missionary comes, you know, or the pastor comes and, and presents a, a need and, and, and tries to get in your pocket, and you give, but because you gave, you can't make your car payment, or you can't pay the utility bills, have you really given your money? No, you've given somebody else's money, right? Does that make sense? So that's my disclaimer. Make sure that you are actually giving your money, not somebody else's money. But if God can get it to, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Now, please don't take this as a bragging. I'm not, it's just an illustration and it's just the truth. I'm trying to prove my point. Every church that I have pastored prospered financially under my leadership. Every church I pastored prospered financially, prospered financially under my leadership. Why? Because I preach, teach, promote, and practice giving. Okay? A lot of pastors won't touch the subject because they don't want to make themselves look bad. They don't want people to say, well, that pastor's just, that preacher's just all about money. Well, everybody's all about money. You're all about money. Don't give me... I, you are. Because you've got to have money to pay your bills and, and, and raise your family, okay? Everybody talks about money, thinks about money, everybody's about money, but if the preacher says anything about money, then he's money hungry. Well, I'm not money hungry, but I'll tell you what, I want, I want, I want, I'll just be total gut rich, gut, what's the word? Wrench, honest. Okay, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I want you to prosper, I want our church to prosper, and I don't mind prospering along with you, okay? How's that? How's that? Okay? And, and, and I believe that if God can get it through us, he'll get it to us. And so, and so I preach, teach, promote, and practice giving, and because I preach, teach, pr- promote, and practice giving, 
the people start doing that. Not everybody, but most of the people start doing that. And so when the people start doing that, guess what? The church be- becomes blessed, and the people in the church start getting blessed. And so, and so the churches that I pastor prosper. The churches I pastor, <coughs> they give. They are, first of all, tithers. And number two, uh, the churches I pastor give to missions. They give the missions. Now, when I came to this church 12 years ago, the church was basically bankrupt. So, I, so, so when, they gave, when I found out they gave $350 that month, the first month I was here, the church gave $350 to missions. Well, we just came through our, our at 12 years later, we just came through our faith promise, uh, uh, our faith, our missions advancement week where we made our faith promises, and we broke all records in the history of the church with over $200,000 in faith promises for this coming year in missions. That, that equals $16,666 a month to missions. Twelve years ago, the first month, 350. Fast forward 12 years, and, and the faith promises are 16,666. Okay? We give to missions. Let me tell you something else we do. We loan our vans and our stuff to people, other churches. You say, Pastor, won't that wear out our vans? Yeah, sure does. But you know what? If God can get it through us, he'll get it to us. And because that we are not stingy with our stuff, and and I'm not just, so don't go telling people we do that, okay? I don't put that out on the Internet that we do that, okay? Okay, but we're generous with people, okay? Because generous with, when you're generous with God's stuff, he'll give you stuff. Just a principle of the Word of God, okay? All right? We're generous to our staff. When we have a guest speaker, we blast their socks off. We give them two, three, four times what they get in other churches. Why? If God can get it to us, get it through us, he'll get it to us. Because we give, because we're generous, because we have a spirit of generosity, God blesses us. And God can trust us with more. God knows we're not going to hoard everything we get. Doesn't mean we're not going to be frugal. Doesn't mean we're not going to be wise. Doesn't mean we're not going to be... Uh, you know, we don't give to everybody that comes along because everybody that comes along isn't worthy of it and don't, won't do well with it. But I'm just saying we have a spirit of generosity and God can bless that. Several years ago now, in a board meeting, not in this church, another church I pastored several years ago, one of the board members brought up and started com- attacking me, not bad, but complaining that I was preaching and talking about giving and money too much. I didn't say a word. Another board member who was sitting in the same room interrupted him and told him basically to shut up. And he told him, he said, he said, we just got through looking at the financial statement of the church. And there's money in every fund. And when this pastor came to us, we were broke. And now we have money in every fund. What he's doing is working. Leave him alone. Let's talk about some things that are not working. This is working. Let's talk about something that's not working. The man shut up. I'm not trying to make myself look good. I'm just telling you it's a principle of the Word of God, and it works. 
And maybe if, you're, if you are struggling in, in your financial area, whether it's, whether it's with not enough coming in or too much going out, maybe the problem is, you know, you haven't developed a spirit of generosity and God can't trust you with more. I, I said maybe. I don't know. I'm just trying to help you. Okay? All right, Solomon, richest man to ever live. What is your secret to financial success? All right, his answer to get more, you must give more. Solomon said, the generous will prosper, and he who blesses others will himself be blessed. Sir John Templeton, investor and philanthropist, uh, said this, the best investment with the least risk and the greatest dividend is giving. John Wesley said, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, invest as much as you can, and give as much as you can. Earn, save, invest, give. Billy Graham said, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. Let's look at some more scriptures about giving. Luke 6 and 38, Jesus said, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So what did Jesus say? He said, in order to get more, you must give more. It's a principle, and let me just tell you that this is a principle that works in every part of life. Hey, do you want to receive more love? What do you have to do to receive more love? Give more love. Be more loving. Be more loving. Do you want more grace? How do you get more grace? Be more graceful. Give more grace. You can't live by the letter of the law and expect to receive a lot of grace. Correct? Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall what? Receive mercy. What's Jesus saying? In order to get more, you must give more. Do you want a better marriage? How do you get a better marriage? Be a better marriage partner, right? Give more. Do you want people to be more understanding with you? How do you get people to be more understanding with you? Be more understanding with people, right? Jesus said, give, and it will be given back to you. And it will be given back to you the same way you give it. Let me ask you this, what do you need more of? Whatever you need more of, give that out to others. And give it gladly, and give it freely, and give it with a good attitude, and give it generously. Because in order to get more, you must give more. See, here's the problem. Most people think, when I get more, I will then give more. No, it doesn't work that way. We must first give more, and then we will 
get more. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If I sow corn, am I going to reap potatoes? What am I going to reap if I sow corn? I'm going to reap corn, right? Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if I put two little seeds in the ground, am I going to get uh, a thousand acre harvest? <laughs> Ain't going to work that way, is it? So if I sow with a couple little bitty seeds, what am I going to get? A harvest that two little seeds will bring me, right? It's going to be more than two, you know, but it's, not, it's still not going to, it's going to be a little. He who sows sparingly was going to reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Pastor, I'm not reaping much. Well, evidently you're not sowing much. Sorry. Notice Galatians 6 and 7 says, whatever. Say whatever. Whatever. What does whatever mean? It means whatever. Right? Okay. So it could be money, right? It could be kindness. It could be mercy. It could be whatever. So whatever it is that you need, sow that. If you need more love, be more sow love. Be more loving. If you need kindness, be more kind. If you need more, if you need understanding, be, if you need mercy, be merciful. If you need money, sow money. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. The whatever that we sowed. So hatred or prejudice or jealousy, guess what you're going to reap? Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. To get more, you must give more. Let's look at another scripture. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. To whom much is given from him, much will be required. Again, the problem is we think when we get more, it's all for me. It's all for us. It's not all for us. When you get more, your responsibility increases. You have more, so more is expected of you. Let me tell you this. God expects more out of you in your Christian walk. Those of you that have the opportunity of coming to church twice a week, he expects more out of you than he does some person somewhere in some foreign land or somewhere that, you know, that, you know, has to walk 12 miles to church and only comes twice. A, you know what I'm saying? I mean, whatever it is, when you're, when you get more, whatever it is that you get more of, your responsibility level increases. You have more, so more is expected of you. God hasn't given you more necessarily just so you can live in luxury. God hasn't given you more necessarily just so you can spend it all on yourself. Now, now let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. Nothing wrong with living a reasonably comfortable lifestyle. But if you have more than most other people have, then you should use your resources wisely. And you should invest in God's work. And you should share with others who don't have. 
I'm not telling you you should give half your money away to the poor, but I'm telling you that that um, just because God gives you more, that's not necessarily just for you and to heap on yourself and to live a more luxurious lifestyle. And you are going to stand before God. You are going to give an account of what you did with what he gave you. So if you have more than most other people have, you should use your resources wisely and you should invest in God's work. First of all, tithing is, is a prerequisite. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a command, not a suggestion. All, actually, if you'll read the word, you'll find offerings are, are commanded also. And also it's commanded to share with If you see your brother have a need and you shut up your bowels of compassion from him, how does the love of God abide in you? That sounds pretty much like a command there to me too, okay? Now, let me qualify this last statement that you should share with others who don't have. I do not believe you should share with the lazy who do not have because they're too lazy to work. The guy that holds a sign will work for food. Well, go get a job, okay? Go get a job. Okay, well, he can't get a job. Well, okay, maybe, but nine times out of, 9.9 times out of 10, he can. At 7-Eleven or, you know, or mowing somebody's grass or something, okay? All right? Second Thessalonians 3 and 10 says, If any man will not work, neither shall he eat. Okay, so I don't believe we should, sh- we should share with the lazy who don't have because they're too lazy to work, okay? Now, if God tells you to give money to that man standing on the corner, we'll work for food. If God tells you that and you know it's God and not just your little tender heart, then please give him money, okay? I, I'm, but I'm telling you, sometimes you follow him home and he's living better than you're living. Okay, enough said there. I don't believe that you should share with people who don't have because they have mismanaged their own money. Okay? It's me. You can do what you want. But if they mismanage their money that they worked hard for, they will surely mismanage the money you give to them that they didn't work for. Just saying. All right. Exceptions to every rule. Please understand that. But people who are really trying, people who are doing the best they can with what they have, and yet they are still struggling or they are still coming up short, those who have an abundance should share some with, of what they have uh, with, with, with others, with them, with somebody really struggling and really trying, okay? For, I already quoted it, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, do not merely say that you love each other, but show the truth by your actions. Remember what I said earlier. If you will become a giver, God will make sure you always have something to give. Proverbs 21 and 26 says, Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says, Work hard so you will have something to share with those in need. All right, Solomon, what is your fifth secret to financial success? To get more, you must give more. And if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. If he can get it through you, he will get it 
to you. Let me just make a few real uh, statements. A couple of these I've already made before, but some of you have not heard them at all. Others will be reminded. All right, let me give you some percentages real quick, some percentages. Housing, not more, whatever, whether you're renting or whether you're buying a house, your housing should not be more than 25% of your regular take-home pay. (coughs) So your monthly payment or monthly rent should not be more than 25% of your regular take-home pay, not not bonuses, regular take-home pay. Why not bonuses? Because they may stop giving the bonuses. Okay, If you're married, that would be your combined regular take-home pay if both are going to continue to work. But if one's just going to work for a couple of years and you base it on both of your incomes, what's going to happen in two years when, they, when she stays home with the baby? Now you're in trouble. Okay? All right, cars. Cars. There's... Um, Everything, every wheel that turns in your house, whether you cars, motorcycles, boats, motors, everything combined should not be more than 50% of your take-home pay. All your cars, every wheel that turns, whether it be a motorcycle, a boat, an RV, anything, total it all up, and it should not be more than 50% of your take-home pay. Never buy a new car. I know you're going to love me for this. Unless, hey, you can do whatever you want to, okay? I'm just teaching. Never buy a new car unless you are debt-free, have six months' living expenses saved in an emergency fund, and your retirement fund is going, and you can pay cash. Then you can buy a new car. Dave Ramsey says don't buy a new car unless you can do all those and, you've ha- and you are a millionaire. So I'm, I'm liberal. Why don't I buy a new car? <clears throat> well, because it's the, it's, it's, it's the worst investment you can make. A new car is the worst investment you can make. You will lose 20, 20 to 30% of the purchase value the first year. You're buying something that every time the wheel rolls around, the tire rolls around, it's worth less. Every time the tire rotates, it's worth less. Think about that. Okay? Um, loses 20 to 25 to 30 percent of its of the purchase value a new car does the first year. <clears throat> um, loses 60, 60 percent of its value the first four to five years. Okay? So why am I doing that, especially when I'm struggling financially? Okay? So what should I do? Well, I believe you should, you know, if at all possible, drive what you can pay cash for, even if it's a clunker. Well, my... My friends are going to laugh at me when I when I when I trade my you know thirty five thousand dollar shiny thing in for this you know two thousand dollar beater. Well, you're the smart one; they're the dumb one. Okay, I mean I'm sorry, I, I'm being harsh. I don't mean to be. 
you're, 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 you know what you're doing. They don't know what you're doing. You're getting your life back. You're getting yourself a life. You're building yourself a life. Okay? Let me, let me just tell you that if your car payment is $400 a month, okay, and that's not an, an if your car payment is $400 a month, if you took $400 a month and you put it in a, in a good investment for retirement, from age 25 to 65, 40 years, you'd be, that would be worth $4 million. $4 million. What do you want, something shiny, or you want $4 million? And you know what, I'll tell you something, if you'll get your finances right, eventually you'll be able to buy that shiny thing. But still don't. Sam Walton drove a used pickup truck. How many know Sam Walton could be driven around in a limousine if he wanted to. He could, ride, he could be driving a Benz. He could be driving a Mercedes. He, could be, he drove around in a used pickup truck. Why? He's a smart man. He knew, he knew that the worst investment he could make was in his vehicles. Okay, then, but there, you know what? Hey, I don't even, you don't have to be Sam Walton. Like I said, I'm not, you know, I, I give you over-the-top stuff. I preach 10, so maybe you'll, 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 you'll live seven or eight, okay? Hey, uh, consider gas mileage when you're purchasing stuff, especially if you're, you know, consider gas, gas mileage, you know. Now, don't be, don't, don't be silly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a little nicer, sis, and um, don't be silly. And when gas goes back up to four bucks, which it will, don't say, well, I've got to get rid of my gas guzzler that I don't have any payment on, and I need to go out and buy me a new a new little uh, vehicle that gets me 30 miles to a gallon. Don't do that. That's silly. You can buy a whole lot of gas for what you can pay a payment for. Okay, so if you got it paid for, even if it's a gas guzzler, it's better than having a payment on something that gets good gas mileage. But when you go buy something, consider gas mileage, especially if you drive along a commute to work, you know. Just use common sense and don't let the shiny boats, you know, and the star, you know, don't, don't let that sway you, all right? Retirement, after all your debts are paid, pay all your debts first, not, in, not, in, not accounting the house, but everything besides your house. Get all that paid for first. Then 15% of your net income should go to retirement in good quality, diversified mutual funds with a 10 to 15-year track record. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're, you work for a company that matches funds, absolutely take advantage of that. And diversify. Don't put it, even if they do, put some there, but put some money other ways. Don't other places. Uh, Enron matched matched funds. Okay, remember Enron. Okay, so even though that's a good deal, don't put all. Grandpa said, don't put all your eggs in. Okay. Go the cash system instead of credit card or debit card or something. The experts say if that you'll spend 25%, I'm talking about percentages now, you'll spend 25% less using cash than you will even using your debit card because there's no pain in a debit card. Whether, whether, whether it's a $4 latte or a $200 grocery bill, it's still just the swipe of the card, right? But, if you're, but there's a big difference psychologically in putting, giving 4 bucks to Starbucks or dealing out $200 at the grocery line. You do that a couple of times, and you'll put back some of the chips and some of the dip and some of the cookies and some of it, right? You will. 
it's documented fact, you'll spend 25% less using cash than you will, even if you pay off your credit card every month, okay? Use the envelope system. Use the envelope system where you put, make your budget, and then every, bu every budget item is put, the money's put in. Now, you couldn't do that with your house payment, probably not with your car payment if you still have the car payment, but everything else, you've got, you've got your envelopes, the grocery money, you know, entertainment money, you know, all, you know, all, those, all those envelopes. And when the envelope's empty, you go rob from the other envelope, Right? No, it's empty. You can't, you got, now, it'll take you a couple of months to figure it out, to, to put the right amounts in there, okay? So you might have to do that until you figure out what's going to work for you. Term life insurance. I've got to say one more last thing, and I'm done, okay? Term life insurance. You should have term life insurance. Term, say term. Term, term life insurance. Take term life insurance. Don't let somebody sell you some ooey-gooey insurance that sounds good. Buy the term life insurance, use whatever the ooey-gooey was, and put that in your retirement, okay? Term life insurance, 10 times, say 10 times, 10 times your annual salary. So if your, sal your annual salary is $50,000 a year, you should have how much in term life insurance? $500,000, okay? If your salary is $25,000, you should have how much? 250000 in term life insurance, okay? Men, if you truly love your family, you will not only take care of them financially by working hard for them and going to work every day and, and managing well, but you will, also, you will also ensure their financial future in case you should die. Well, I'm not going to die. Let me tell you something. Nobody plans to die, but guess what? Everybody dies. Well, nobody dies at 25. Well, yes, they do. Because I've buried babies. I've buried teenagers. I've buried young adults. I've buried middle-aged people, and I've married senior citizens. Every, citizens, everybody dies, and nobody knows when they're going to die. And the time to get that is when you are young, Ticho. How old are you, Ticho? 29, you can get term life insurance for peanuts, man. It's cheap, cheap. Do you have some? Okay, yeah, it's cheap, cheap, cheap. Old geezer like me, it costs a lot of money. I'm worth a whole lot more dead than I am alive, okay? But I've already told my wife that, you know, in five years when my term life insurance expires, I'm not getting more life insurance. But I don't need it. I've set her up in five years. She will, ha she will have her Social Security. She will have her retirement. She will ha have a home paid for. She will have her, okay? She will do well, okay? She will be well, do well. Okay, life insurance is not designed to make you rich. It is to give you security and to make sure that if you die, then your, your spouse or your family is well taken care of, okay? So in five years, I'll be 65, okay? My wife will be 65. Okay, so, and at 65, trying to get term life insurance is very expensive because they know at 65 you could die any day, okay? Probably not because when you live to be 65, they say the average, if you live to be 65, you've got a really, really good shot at living to 80 or plus if you make it to 65. But still, it's going to be 
10 times more for me than it is for Ticho, okay? So it's not a, even a good investment for me anymore. And, but I don't need it. I won't have, my wife won't have to have it because I've been do, I, I don't just teach this. I live this, okay? So I've been doing it for years. And it's not that I just so make so much money. It's that I've, done, I've lived debt-free for many years, and we've invested, and we've done the right thing. Not bragging. I'm just telling you I do what I'm telling you. I'm not just teaching this. I practice it and been practicing it for a long, long, long time, okay? So if you love your family, men, if you love your family, you will have term life insurance in case something happens to you. It's very, if you're young, it's very, very reasonable. So do not, if you, if you die without life insurance, I'm going to kill you. You hear me? Father, thank you for this opportunity of being here again tonight. Thank you for these that have come. And, Lord, we've said a lot of things over and over, but actually by design. I pray, Lord, that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word. Help us, Father, we pray, to do what your word teaches us to do, Father, so that we can receive the blessing that comes from obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.